Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. I am your conspiracy a-hole. We don't want to cuss. We have a very lovely lady, Michelle Gibson, so we got to be more respectful. We have to be more gentlemanly because I don't want to be unbecoming of a gentleman with such a fabulous researcher. And if you guys haven't heard of Michelle Gibson, let me tell you something. Her content is some of the most addicting stuff because it'll make you question your whole existence and how long you've been here and what's really going on. So with that, Michelle, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? You know, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And like like I said, when we talk about this stuff, this hidden history stuff or mud floods or, you know, the you know origins of our existence, it can get pretty goofy for lack of a better word because you're you're you were guessing you know um but this is what i do know the timeline they give us cannot be right just with our eyes with what i see with the infrastructure that we have today it wasn't built within the last hundred years in my opinion you know people are going to call us crazy but michelle that's why i like your work that's why i like your stuff um because it opens that creative you know mindset of like where did this happen? What was going on there? And uh, and I think that's freeing. So with all that, thank you, Michelle. And explain explain that. And my first question is, how did you become a researcher? And how did you get into you know this uh, uh, the hidden history that they're hiding from us? Well, literally, literally by connecting dots. Literally. Well, what's dots? What are you talking about? I'm, I'm talking about a map that I had on my dining room table that a friend of mine had given me. She was a travel companion along with two other people when I was living in Oklahoma City. Right and, near me. I'm in Dallas. So, so where do you live now? Uh, um, I'm in Arizona now. I'm in Sedona. But, but at the, t- right at the time, me. when I was really waking up to all of this, I was living in Oklahoma City. And actually, Dallas was a part of my journey. And it, was going, it. To, it was going to Dealey Plaza with my friends. We were on our way to Rockwall. And it was that trip that got me looking up uh, what happened, what, what we're told happened with the assassination. And it was in the process of looking up information about that, that I, I realized <laughs> um, that there was a malignant or malevolent force behind what was going on here. Well, the reason why the JFK is so important, I mean, that is literally when the CIA created the term conspiracy theorists to demonize people looking into the official story. So for you to kind of be your awakening moment, for me, mine was 9-11. So, okay, so you see the Dealey Plaza and then that's when you started looking um, into uh, JFK. So tell me what happened. Well, it was actually before then. I was starting to wake up to this before that. Um, But it was an aha moment because the experience of being at Dealey Plaza and seeing how close everything was together you know with the book depository on one corner literally and the prison that oswald was held at right next to that on like the adjacent corner and then the castle where ruby shot oswald was right next to that and there's an X on the ground. I'm just saying you can see how close it is. It doesn't make sense. I mean, the fact that, you know, Jack Ruby, uh, you know, killed Lee Harvey Oswald. And then Jack Ruby, you know, you look at his past. He was like a casino. I'm not a casino, but like kind of like underground gambling nightclub guy. I mean, it seemed like kind of a popular guy, a guy that wouldn't necessarily be an assassin. You know what I mean? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. And not only that, but when you look at it, even in Wikipedia, when you look up um, Lee Harvey Oswald, and it says basically that 
when the uh, uh, the shooting occurred, he had just come down the stairs with a Coke. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I drink it. Like he's got all these federal guys, you know, descending on him, and he's sitting there going like, you know, WTF? You know, well, was tip at the, the cop. Stink- have you? Well, I was trying to cut you up, but the tip at the cop that he killed—that was supposedly the body they used for JFK, or you know, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but somehow the officer Tippett dying in that—you know—that's the second guy that Lee Harvey Oswald killed that day. There's something really weird about that. That is what we really should be investigating because there's a lot of questions that were not answered with the JD Tippett, the officer that was killed outside of the Texas theater. So, I mean, it's just a weird story. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a weird story. And it was, like I said, I just, what I really got out of that was just feeling like, you know, how can you pull off killing the most powerful man in the world in this, in this location? It was like a set, literally. It is kind of like a movie set. And they've (laughs) they've shot a lot of movies there. You know, they shot, you know, JFK, a bunch of stuff. That is like a big movie place in Dallas. And and it's weird because that was actually the first road into downtown Dallas. Like that, there's something occultic uh, or secretive about that road, how it's like three, how it's a three road lane. Usually it'd be four lanes. It's weird how there's like two going in, I mean, two going out, one going in. It's just a, it's just a weird um, formation of traffic. It's not like your normal, uh, you know, geo planning or whatever. What is that? What is that person called? The civil engineer? It doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. So the civil engineering is, is obviously meant to be some sort of symbol symbolic road work is what i'm saying you know, it's shaped like a pyramid exactly and that's their <laughs> that's their favorite that's their favorite uh you know shape is the pyramid i mean the all-seeing eye well so how does that work you know you're a tartaria you're a mud flood you know you're an expert on you know i guess uh you know but how does that how does the illuminati or the social engineers whatever you want to call it you know we're just using that term you know metaphorically how, how do those are those the people that hit our history how did how do those yeah. relate Yes. And, it, you know, in, as far as I'm concerned, it's not at all metaphorical. Okay, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you said, that's where the term conspiracy theorist came into being. And there's a reason for that. I mean, they don't want people to know what their agenda oh, is. Metaphorical. And and then I had. Um, so that trip to Dallas was on the way to Rockwall, if you're familiar with. Rockwall. Very, yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. I was right down the street. So what were you doing in Rockwall? Yeah. And, you know, that's just up. 30 i30 from that location in dallas i mean you have to drive a long way from oklahoma city to get to daily plaza but once you get to daily plaza it's just a you can be a rock wall in 10 minutes i mean yeah you can be right up up there and the reason i was interested in rock wall was reading something in a blog post that um if you've heard of samir sam osmonagic who was the bosnian researcher who discovered the bosnian pyramid complex I, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with it. But what was so? So what did they date that? Uh, the, they were dating. Two? I mean, they were talking about Rockwall being like, I want to put it in the neighborhood of twelve thousand years old. And that's named after this Rockwell in Rockwell, Texas. The Rockwall in Rockwell, Texas, was what they were talking about. Boy, explain that again. Why am I missing that? Okay. You're saying you're saying the, <laughs> okay. the, the the Bosnian temples that they found. Okay. The the guy that found the Bosnian temple or pyramid complex was talking about Rockwall, Rockwall, Texas. Okay. And that there were early archeological excavations that got, you know, (laughs) reinterred, if you will, you know, um, where an early archeologist was actually working on, you know, excavating the wall. Um, But I guess it was just too hot of a topic because nobody knows about the Rockwall at Rockwall. (laughs) 
Yeah, and see, that makes sense. You know, I was listening to Martin Lidke. He was talking about this uh, Tartaria stuff, and he was saying, you know, I guess his timeline, you know, we don't know this stuff for sure, but that America, where we are now, this was the, the, the hottest spot. This was the original hotbed, right. and then something happened, and we had to migrate, humans had to migrate to Europe. It, it, but but then why do they say we started in Tartaria? So tell me so, okay. what, what it was, what's going on. So, so let me let me try to... Um, you know, tease that apart a little bit so yeah, that so. you have a better idea because um, there's a very ancient civilization in North America that for the controllers narrative to work, there had to not be anything here. Yeah. Right. Just hunter gatherers. But there was infrastructure and architecture just as sophisticated here as you find all over the world. It was, it was already here, but they've, they've given us more recent dates. So they said, we built this in the 1800s and the 1900s, early 1900s. And that's what, you can, what when you say it, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Well, it's like the World's Fair <laughs> stuff. I mean, how did they have these decadent World's Fair buildings in 1901 or, what, or whatever? It doesn't make any sense with no power tools and no roads to even bring in the materials. So it, 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 it seems impossible with the timeline they give us. Right. And you know, thank goodness for the internet age, because you can start looking at things, you know, it's like they, they wrote stuff to explain it, thinking nobody's ever going to figure this stuff out. And there's a lot of really good researchers on YouTube right now, especially doing this kind of research, asking the questions. Um, So everything that I believe and see points to the existence of a very advanced, ancient human civilization that goes back a long, long way to Say, say Lemuria, Mu, called the Moorish civilization. Tartaria was one of the empires of this ancient civilization. And I'm not trying to be goofy, but aren't the Moors black? Aren't those Moors black people? Am I, is that correct? Well, so here's the thing, though. I mean, race and religion has been used to divide all of us, mm-hmm. so we wouldn't have any idea. So the narrative that we've received is divisive when it comes to, you know, racial identity and whatever, you know, (laughs) so if, um, so yes, an answer to your question, but you know, what if, what if skin color wasn't a big deal (laughs) to the, it's not a big deal. And it's not a big deal to me and you, I doubt. I'm just saying, you always hear the Moors I hear of a black civilization. So I'm guessing maybe the Moors and Tartarians, maybe they were, you know, is that they were different, I guess, different skin color maybe, but. uh, So what I think has taken place um, is a whole lot of genocide, a whole lot of human and social engineering. I think the wars of the 19th and 20th centuries and even on into the 21st century and what we're seeing is more about destroying ancient infrastructure and ancient people than what we're told. I mean, um, you know, one, one country, so say like, let's look at World War One, and Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. Mm-hmm. And there was a series of treaties between all these countries to maintain the balance of power that if something happened to one country, all of these countries would jump in and help Beyond that country. Allies. And so, you know, then we got, um, you know, the, the different sides. And then at the end of the war, the losing side lost their land. And a lot of these older empires were just dismantled during, you know, the aftermath of war. It happened with the Napoleonic Wars. It happened with 
World War One, World War Two. Um, What's weird think, about war is they feel like it almost has to happen. Like, like it's like uh, it has to exist because nobody really wants to go to war, in my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody chooses to go to war. But it's almost like these social engineers, there has to be war going on because we're man. We have to be fighting each other. We have to create these wars, I guess. Um, that's what they tell us. Okay. But what if there weren't these external factors that were pushing us into these situations of killing each other? What if that was not our original nature? Um, and I don't think it was. I think we were very high consciousness, very advanced. We were creating these amazing things. They were all in alignment with each other. And that gets back to the dot connecting that I was talking about. Every, uh, we just got a donation. Wow, they really like you, Michelle. You know, a lot of people <laughs> are watching. Each. Yes, they like you. So thank you for the donation. Okay, but you're right. I don't think humans want to fight each other and yeah. kill each other. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So this advanced civilization, you know, uh, they probably were so much smarter. Do you think that they're the people, the big skulls? Or what do you think? Like, you know, they say Nephilim giants. <laughs> Could these have been giants? What do you think, just guessing these people? Were? You know, I do. I think they were much larger. Mm-hmm. Um, they're are some uh, humans existing today with longer skulls? Yeah, um, there's seen some African tribes with that. Of course. Um, but let me get back to the oh, dot yes, connecting because that's where my story begins. Um, prior to my own original discoveries, I was an avid follower of Unsolved Mysteries. You know, back in the '80s with Robert Stack, and I loved In Search of, and you know, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. I was just hungry for the you know, the hidden information. Uh, But until the internet came along, there really wasn't that much available, you know, just teasers here and there. And so I was reading stuff then. And then um, I was watching conferences like Megalithomania conference where earth energy dowsers were following these earth energy lines and, you know, seeing the same kinds of things in South America and in Turkey. And, you know, just ask the question, you know, why? Why do you see the same thing at Gobekli Tepe in Turkey that you see in these sites in South America? And I want to cut you off. Gobekli Tepe is the oldest temple that we have found. And when what about what is that age of that again? They say how one hundred twenty thousand years old, something it's, like that. It's it's up there. Okay. okay, that falls in the hundreds 12, of that, and that doesn't make any sense on their timeline. And this is their official kind of date, you know, roughly is that it's about a hundred thousand. Tell me about Gobekli so, Tepe. Yeah. So, my understanding is it's like it's around 12,000, but it's been dated as like the oldest site. And it was, it was buried, it was buried. And mm-hmm. what they tell you is that it was buried purposefully. But then, when you really think about all of these historical sites, all of these archaeological sites, you know, being under, you know, goodness knows how many layers of, of dirt, <laughs> of silt. Um, and I think we're talking a lot about that. Could Atlantis be under dirt? I, well, it could, a landmass called Atlantis could very easily be underneath the Atlantic Ocean. But what I think is this advanced civilization existed from ancient times dating back to Lemuria through Atlantis on up until relatively recently. And I think that's where the timeline stuff comes in, that there was a deliberately caused cataclysm that resulted in a flood of mud that the controllers caused, took advantage advantage of, came in, set up shop, 
you know, got the means to dig everything out, got the means to restart everything. And then, uh, you know, gave us the false history, the false narrative. And, you know, the world we live in today is a direct result of being lied to, you know, as far as humanity is concerned, you know, not knowing the true, not only the true history of earth, but the true nature of who we are, the true nature of the universe, who we are in the universe, all of that's been removed for the purposes of power and control. And one of the nice things about being a conspiracy theorist today is seeing what's playing out in the world if you're awake and can see what's going on. Yeah, it's a good time to be alive. But so you're telling me, you know, I, I believe that we had some sort of free elect, a free, you know, energy uh, source. I'm not sure how that worked, but you look at the architecture. So, so how did the free energy? How did, how do you think the energy um, worked there? And was that how they were able to like geo modify the weather? I mean, so so you, I I didn't realize that you think that the weather was done on purpose, that it wasn't an accident, and then they just decided to see. In my mind is maybe it was some sort of accident, and then when they decided to redo everything it was these idiots that were kind of left with it and so they're like oh let's hide it so we can be the boss you know what i mean you know because you would change the story you know you would it's always kind of like a fishing story you would say oh well i'm the great one these people don't exist i don't know that i'm just saying how did how did it transfer i think it was deliberately caused and there's probably a lot of different schools of thought about how this happened you know there's some in the you know, space weather or camp. They have weather modification, <laughs> no doubt. I'm just saying, yeah. if, if cloud seeding, they've had that technology for forever. So to think that that in a more uh, advanced civilization, I think they would definitely be able to control the weather. So. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think that technology's been around for a while, and I think the things that we've been told are natural, like you know, tornado outbreaks and hurricanes mm-hmm. aren't. Um, you know, in a lot of years, and I've been doing a study of let's well, since. 1945 history since 1945 and at least starting in the 80s for sure it's like hurricane after hurricane after hurricane that's like category four category five you know just you know obliterating the crap out of these little islands in the caribbean and you know hitting the same places twice on the gulf coast and you know i just seriously think that's weather warfare against humanity I 100% agree. And I went to school in Louisiana and LSU right after Katrina. And it's like, it's like Louisiana loved FEMA. I mean, it's like they, 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 so what I'm saying is they're, they're probably now Louisiana is the biggest new world order globalist state that there is. I mean, they have the mass mandates at my college. You have to have a vaccine to even go to the college football game. Um, so it, what I'm saying is I guess the people, the rulers like to damage these places. So then they have to be on the federal funding. And then I guess they're on that. Then they're under their control. Um, I think that's part of it, but I think the bigger part of it is that they want this original civilization gone, but they don't use, they want to destroy. So there's a lot of it they still use, but, you know, in terms of, you know, what's the, what we see playing out in the world today, you know, they, they don't want an advanced humanity. They want a controllable humanity. Yeah. They want a transhuman humanity. They really do. I think and they. W- that's the bottom. You know, that's the bottom line. Whether you agree with me or think, you know, what I'm saying is too far out. 
they want to hurt us. <laughs> well, I think it's the Matrix is a documentary. They want us to the transhumanist yeah. agenda. They want babies born and then you plug into a computer and they use your energy, I guess, to maybe for the elite somehow. I'm not sure why they want to source us, but I do think they want to source us like batteries almost. And, and, and they've been doing that already. I mean, that's already been happening, but they want they don't want us to have our connection with our higher selves. They don't want us, you know, they don't like goodness. <laughs> kindness and you know they hate anything that that that's good and that the creator is you know so this is like a war against the creator and creation and they want to set up their own artificial construct that they're the lords and masters of and they don't have what people have which is that soul which is that you know connection with god source whatever whatever you want to call it no you're 100 percent right why do they tell us that we're you know all uh, evolved from pond scum and that we're all monkeys and that there is no creator that that social programming is so strong for me it, it, that's the it's them hiding them wanting to hide the creator so much proves to me that the creator is real especially when you look at all the lies we live under so um them connecting disconnecting us from god so when you say tartaria i i, I don't know if i've seen your work anything on nephilim but where does that fit in with uh, tartaria and the creator in your opinion michelle i'm you know that it's a good question and i'm not really sure because you know more people are familiar with nephilim giants mm-hmm. than than giant humans that are good yeah um so i'm not sure um i'm not sure how many timelines there have been on earth um i'm not how sure how many if, do you think there could be i mean you, you, you there should... could have been there could have been a number of them considering the number of you know ideas and beliefs that are out there um there could have been easily more than one i know we're on a different timeline than we were on yeah, so and you're telling me, what, what, when did the timeline shift in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, it shifted in the 19th century. So I think we're talking about a period of time that only goes back, you know, two, three, four hundred years that this has taken place, that this cataclysm that created the, the flood of mud. And when you start looking at the pictures and the historical record, and even in your own communities, you can see evidence for buildings that have been dug out of mud or the you know things have been built over what was a mud flow and that you have window you know buildings that go down 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 or you have you know you know that much of a window at the top and you've got that much of a window the excavation it doesn't make sense as there's so many windows that are on the ground how many have middle windows it doesn't make any sense below ground you know they've they've got this neat little well around the windows um but you see this again this is repeated over and over again and i've like people have been sending me their things that they're finding in their own communities and and so on and so forth and once you see it and recognize it and start questioning the narrative about what we're told you know it, it becomes clearer and clearer that we're we're living on top of a previous civilization i agree literally living on top of it I think you look at Gobekli Tepe being underground is a good indication that we're on we're on top of something. Yeah, so I'm gonna if it's okay, I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen really quick. Oh please, yes, yes, we'd love, I show. love to share. Oh, what is it? 
The insanely ramped up vaccination schedule is in place to facilitate the alchemical tech revolution. Yeah, w. You, McCroy. You, sorry, you didn't see, hear the donation. I don't know if you could see it, but but uh, they said the ramped up uh, uh, schedule is in place for the alchemical tech revolution. So, uh, you know, we got to we can't really talk. That's the thing is on your on your channel. Do you talk anything about the vaccines? That's the number one censored thing. I can't no, ever talk not, about it. Not really. Um we know that talk about some other things every but this is what we'll while, do but- how about how about this though guys because i would really like to talk about that topic with you so guys for the first 45 minutes um we'll, we'll be on youtube and then we'll do the other 45 minutes off youtube uh so we can talk about uh everything so i'll put the link to the rockfin we can go on rockfin where we can talk uh freely uh, about the because i'd really like to hear about the alchemical tech revolution if you if you want to talk about that michelle Okay. I mean, I can tell you what I know. I, I, I probably don't know a lot more than other people, except that I've been, my research has led me down the road of really uncovering what they did here. Well, let's talk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about this. Okay. So, so let's talk about what we did here. This is my opinion. Uh, they say the camera technology was invented around 1820. So anything. Wow. Another Tim found the stream a couple weeks ago. Love the energy. Found wow, this stream a couple weeks ago. Love the energy you bring dog. Wow, people are being very nice. Uh, uh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. So, but um, they invented the camera in about 1820. So we don't have any idea, basically, before photographs, in my opinion. So, do you think that they used to have photograph and digital technology and all that I'm stuff? Sh- I'm sure they did. I'm sure they had everything we have now. And the more. iPhone, they had to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they had I'm to sure have this, all this stuff. Because how does it progress so fast? How does it go from you and I's cell phone being a Nokia? I remember we were playing Snake on it. And now my cell phone is a laptop that's more powerful than my laptop. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was air transport, at the very least, um, dirigibles, but possibly more. Vimianas, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with the ancient... Uh, spacecraft. Oh, you want to do a share screen? Sorry, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, let me oh, yeah. Let's share screen. Oh, I just it, wanted to show you something about my own work and how I got here. Okay. <laughs> my degree in college is social work. Well, and that I, means you're a people person. That means you want to help people. Like, That's what you're doing, Michelle. You're a social worker. You don't realize it. I know that sounds facetious. Like, I'm kidding. But if you think about it, you probably do more social uh, help now. Because I study sociology, so I consider myself, I got a minor and I'm a sociologist. You know what I mean? But I think, you know, you working in social services, you help out a lot of people with your information. Because it, it does, it unlocks us. Knowing this information and realizing there's more to life, it gives us a meaning. Realize there's a creator. That helps people feel better, in my opinion. I mean, I, I worked in nursing homes and long-term, long-term care facilities, some assisted living facilities, doing social work and activities. And I ended up getting out of that around 2003. My husband had passed away and I was burned out and it was too much. And I haven't ever gone back to it, but um, it was, you know, something I enjoyed doing and I've lived in a lot of different places. Um and I've always had this interest in hidden history, like I said at the beginning. Um, but my original, um, let me see here. Awakening. My screen. But my original work started here. And um, I had been living in Fairbanks, Alaska. When my husband passed away in 2001. He and I had lived in Fairbanks from 94 to 99. And then I moved back to Fairbanks in 2006, and I lived there until 2012. Well, real quick, well, tell me about Fairbanks, Alaska. I mean, I Loved mean, it. 
You loved it. It sounds kind of nice. And do, do the, did the government give you, like, what was the cost of living in Fairbanks? They sound, they say it sounds, you know, the government, well, how does it work living in Alaska real quick? Just give us a little short synopsis. You know, these days it's not different from living in other places, except you're really, really remote. So you depend heavily on transportation services, you know, on the airlines, on the, the trucking, on, on the train, on the ships that bring goods up. To, from Seattle to um, Anchorage, and and what, it's, it's what about it's, the Fairbanks McDonald's? We all want to know: Does the Fairbanks <laughs> McDonald's Big Mac taste the same as Oklahoma City Big Mac? It does. Okay, it does. well, good, good. Okay, well, Alaska's okay then. You know, we, I call have... it, it's Big Mac economics, is what they call it, and that you know that's a real thing. You guys can look it up. It's called Big Mac economics, and that's how they can judge a country's you know a dollar and pound is is the value of the burger because like Switzerland, I guess, because their Big Mac is the most expensive. Their their dollar is considered the strongest. I and according to this burger economics thing. Okay, but sorry, back to back to your saying. We're not here to talk about hamburgers, even though I always talk about hamburgers. I'm the hamburglar. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, Michelle. So anyway, I, I really woke, I started waking up in Fairbanks in the 1990s is when I really started to wake up. And then when I moved back in 2006, I, I had to go through a whole lot of hard life experiences. Um, and then I, I kind of took control of my life back, you know, from the time that my husband died to the time that I said, you know, I, I want my life back. <laughs> mm. um, and I moved back to Fairbanks I, up there as a, you know, single, single widow, widowed female. That has to be tough, Michelle. I mean, no, I mean, being a widow, that's something I'll never realize. I mean, I guess I could lose my wife, but I'm just saying, you know, that's kind of a cliche. That's probably not easy to be, you know, you don't meet a lot of widows. Uh, uh, it's probably not, you know, there's no book on how to lose a loved one. I'm sure that's very difficult, Michelle. Yeah. And I was 38, I'm 58 now. So it's been a while, but because of having lived there before and my husband was a good teacher, you know, making sure I always had good tires and um, had the right equipment and everything. I was, you know, definitely better, better prepared moving up there uh, cold Turkey than other people would be. Michelle, you and, don't give me the babe in the woods vibes. You feel like you're very independent, <laughs> you know, well, you know, you can handle yourself. You're, you know, I think you're, a tough cookie. Just just talking to you, not too tough, but you know what I mean. I think you're uh, definitely in, energy independent, is what they'd say. Yeah, energy independent, inner strength wise. Yeah. Um, and so I was in Fairbanks for six years. I my education and my awakening continued. I had some really cool jobs when I was there, um, and things went really well. It's like it feels. It felt like, and it still feels like. When, when you have a mission, the universe conspires to help you. And I definitely feel like I have a mission. And I definitely feel like I've gotten assistance <laughs> from the universe along the way. And um, and so. Well, that's a good I, point, Michelle, because I'm not trying to. Uh, you, you don't realize you break up with a girlfriend or you lose a loved one or something. And that experience is so bad. But I guess that shapes what's happening now. It's kind of the universe pushing you in a direction. So sometimes when something's really bad happening, guys, it takes perspective. When you step away from it, you're like, oh, I'm so happy that happened because that pushed me in this direction. And now, like yourself, Michelle, you're a big time content creator. And a lot of people look to your work for a lot of entertainment and joy. So I'm sure that gives you joy back when people enjoy your content. Yeah, it does. And thank you. Um, you know, I, I feel like everything that has ever happened to me has prepared me for this now and what I've been doing. I've been doing this for three years, but I woke up to this ancient civilization 
um, you know, starting a long, long time ago, but more, more recently, um, let's say between 2012 and 2016. And 2016 is when I found this shape in North America by connecting cities that lined up. Is and that a I, double pentagram? What is that shape? It's, what a, is it's, it? it's a star tetrahedron, but it's okay. also the same shape as the Star of David. Wow, and what it is, it's a sacred geometry shape, but it's also our light body shape. So we have an energy field. It's called the Merkaba, our light body, and that's the same shape as that. Really? Because I thought our energy field, they kind of give us like it's at six feet. You know, that, that's what they say is our, our, our you know, what, what is that? What is our energy field? What's the proper name for us called? So, so we have, you know, we're, we're like in this sphere of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that, we have a sacred geometric shape, three, uh, three dimensional. So that's that would be two dimensional. That is around us that you can. um it's fun to learn about, but it's it's like the cre- it's a creation shape, and it's not only ours, um, but it has a lot to do with vor- the vortex, the idea of a vortex, and the idea of a torus. T o u r u s um, is a lot about how energy flows, how we cycle energy, um, and again, it's not just humans; it's it's life, real life, <laughs> creation life. <laughs> you know, not these controllers that want to take that it's like how a plant grows out of dirt i mean or it's like that mm-hmm. what is that that indescribable if you, if thing. you look at a tomato and the shape of the tomato with the you know thing on the top and then the little thing at the bottom <laughs> sorry sorry about my description no um but it's like that energy flow and that's how it flows naturally well what about fibonacci sequence so you know that mm-hmm. i mean that obviously is very important because what is it the one two three one two i, I don't know how to mark it mm-hmm. out but you know the fibonacci sequence one plus one equals two, two plus one equals three, three plus two equals five. So you add the, you know, two previous numbers and, and it keeps going up. And that's, that is very important. So um, important. It's one of the, I mean, every flower is basically, you see so many things in nature that follow that sequence. It cannot be accidental in my opinion. Yeah. That's part of sacred geometry. And I, I absolutely believe this civilization built everything along the lines of sacred geometry and lined everything up with, you know, on the earth with heaven. It was like a perfect balanced uh, world. Where does this come out of the mystery schools and like the pagan times? Where does this, where does this? Uh, uh... I, I don't think, you know, again, I think so much of what we've been told about our true history is just, you know, fragmented. Um, it would have been part of the, the knowledge, all of this knowledge would have been part of, initiation you know so people would aspire to really learn what it was and maybe people in general didn't know about it but i think it was a lot like if you're familiar with tibet and the original tibetan culture and and probably even now to a certain extent but because of what's happened with china going in in 1950 um it was always a community that supported people that wanted to do inner work and become like yogis and learn how to use their human superpowers. And I think this original civilization was like that. They, they knew that they respected that um, they used their abilities to their full ex- extent. 
And we don't even know we have those abilities. No, that's 100% correct. They say, they say yogis, even within the last hundreds of years, were able to hold their breasts for hours, were able to go years without eating mm-hmm. um, because they were able to dial into that, that whatever, that secret thing that's inside of us that they try to hide us from. So, so where does Freemasonry come out of this? Like, where does them, where does them hiding our, and how does like the evil engineers say, this is my question. Why do the evil engineers say, oh, we can't let these humans realize they're special beings? Because they want to control us. And the original Masons um, had 360 degrees. You know, the Masons 33. But they had 360 degrees. And they knew what they were doing. They were they were real builders. And the Freemasons, you know, took that legacy for themselves. And they said, we did this. And then, you know, gave us all these explanations for how things got here that again if you really start looking into it it just doesn't it doesn't really make any sense well, um, your mic i think is that i think your mic is it sounds good but now is like maybe your, your cord you're hitting the that, cord or something. is that better no now it's good uh but um okay uh but so like look at the sistine chapel are they supposed to tell me that michelangelo painted that thing on his back i mean where does i mean i just say like i know that's kind of random out of left field but it's just Nothing makes sense with what they tell us with with uh, these people, like these Freemasons and the sacred geometry. So did so everything ca- is coming out of this shape and out of this uh, mathematics for mathematical formation. It gives them the ability to create pyramids and, and architecture that we can't recreate. So right. So they so they are very familiar with what's called sacred geometry. This is one of those shapes. Um, the Platonic solids are part of sacred geometry. And it all, it all comes out of uh, what's called the flower of life, um, which is interlocking circles. And I'll just, um, I don't know if I have an easy picture of it, but let me just finish up on this. Oh, yeah. um, so I found this and then I extended the lines. I used a map at first. I, you know, my, my focus is not plane or planet. Um, mine is bringing back this beautiful civilization. I've encountered evidence that our perception of time and space has been tampered with. Um, so I'm open to it, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't have that. When you say planet or planet, you're talking about flat earth versus round right. earth. Yeah. Right. So you're not it's, a flat earther. You're it's, not just, a, it's just, yeah. it's not my focus. I don't blame you. I know it's annoying. <laughs> well, I'm a geocentrist. Uh, I, you know, I believe there, I don't, I don't necessarily know the shape of the earth, but I think the sun, moon, and stars rotate around us, but it's annoying. I don't like talking about that either. Michelle, I don't like talking about that with anybody because it makes you sound like you're a psychopath, but I think that would be one of the main things that have to lie about is, is how the machinations of the universe so, work. Right. You know, I, I think they did something and, mm-hmm. They're definitely keeping information from us. Um, what I do believe is that what I'm talking about works both ways. Um, so I think it works on a flat earth model as well as a, a spherical model. Um, but basically what I did was I, because I couldn't see the other side of the flat map that I was using. And when I say flat map, I don't mean flat earth map. I mean, it's it flat, flat, yeah, it a flat map. Yeah, I, I, had, I wanted to see where these lines were going. And so I superimposed the same shape on top of a globe and I extended the lines out and then I got a magnifying glass and it's hard for me to do now, especially my eyes aren't that great. (laughs) I can see, but you know, fine work like that's really difficult. Um, But I did this in 2016 and I wrote down all of the places that were lining up in, in lines 
were like circles, but they were in alignment somehow. And so I've got 19 spreadsheets of data points just by, you know, getting a little magnifying glass and writing down the places that were lining up. So, you know, all I know is that I got information back. I got a lot of information. And I think things were lined up in like a flower of life shape, a geometry shape. When you look at older maps, you see ley lines and they're gone from maps nowadays. Yeah, I mean, um, Dallas is on the 33rd parallel. So how does that work with the parallels and, and the ley lines, like in your opinion? So it, it would. I mean, if you know that Nagasaki and Hiroshima are both on the 33rd degree ley line and you know that Trinity site is on the 33rd degree. Um, I not, believe, not accidental. I believe Roswell. I'm not sure if Roswell is or not, but um but anyway, it's not accidental. Oh, no, no. They, they've been using these against us. Uh, so let me just show this real quick. This is a flower of life shape. Yes. This and is that's where you get the, the sacred geometry from. The geometric shapes are inside of this. If you connect, you know, points within in this. And you get hey, the same, uh, Michelle, move your mic a little bit farther from your face. Said exactly. a little, yeah, Sorry. A little bit. No, it's great. It's fine. You sound good. And then sometimes it'll clip a little. I don't know what it is. It actually sounds nice, but go ahead. Okay. So you get the platonic solids from the, the flower of life shape. And Plat platonic refers to Plato. Plato. Not Plato. Yeah, I know Plato. Yes, of course. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, and and what's the importance of um, Plato and uh, the shape? I mean, is this just basically the the bud of of our existence? This is like yeah. our soul, basically. You know, I mean that. Well, these are very important shapes. Um, you know, building blocks, if you will, of of creation. And it's like they've squirreled all this knowledge away for themselves to use it. And it started coming back into our awareness probably in the 70s, 80s. And uh, it's become, you know, more and more in our collective awareness. But it's still certainly not common knowledge. Um, there was something else I was going to show you. But, no, well, you'll think of it. But I mean, where do the where do the Jesuits and the Catholic Church fit into, uh, you know, the mud floods and the the because they're basically the leader. Uh, they're like the I guess the Christian, you know, leader. How did they? They had to be big social engineers in this, right? I think so. I mean, I definitely think they're a part of it. And what I've come to believe is that they were. There's a a, a group of team players in this let's call it team dark okay. um, in this whole hijack and takeover and i think fallen angels are in there i think negative ets are in there you know you know multi-dimensional interdimensional beings that we don't know about because we've been taught to think all of that's crazy and you know, again, in general, I think they have a bigger impact on humanity than most people realize. Um, there's the ones that are here on Earth that look like humans. And then there's whatever ones that aren't actually incarnated, but, you know, function on some level. 
Um, and I just think they're very dark, evil beings. Basically and- lizards. I mean, I mean, I agree. <laughs> that's, that's in no, there. That's I, I know. Part of it. I for sure think so. I mean, there's people walking around in human skin, but I mean, you just look at all the species in the ocean we don't know about. So, like the the idea that some sort of other thing could take on a human skin. I mean, look at a chameleon can change his skin. They would never want to tell us. You know that they could do this like if you could go invisible you'd never want to tell somebody you could go invisible i mean i, I don't think you would but they give us clues that think oh well these people are lizard people i don't i mean i know that sounds goofy as heck somebody say what are you doing my lizard people but it is that like lizard reptilian brain that i they i believe that that is real i mean they can cut off their tail regrow their tail we can grow finger i mean just there, there's there's something our dna can be similar i feel like something can be twisted and they could take our our appearance i think that's possible as crazy as that sounds you know, it's not crazy. We've just been taught to think that it is. And, you know, they keep us distracted so we won't notice what's there and what's, you know, they, they just don't want us to be aware of this so they can keep doing what they've been doing effectively for a couple of centuries. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think people that you mentioned are part of this unholy alliance. Not everybody. You know, I think it's like a, a percentage with hidden within different organizations, different religions um, that are Zionists. And I don't think Zionists is necessarily one group that were taught, you know, this was. It's you know, not just a Jewish Jews Illuminati. And, yeah, that's and what they want to say. And yeah. all of that. I think it's a, a grouping, a rubric, umbrella, whatever, um, of these people that they have a, you know, anti-human agenda, you know, that they, they've been working very hard at planning this whole thing that we're seeing playing out right now but i i I am an optimist so i'm going to stick that in there (laughs) yeah we had to say that i mean we got to be positive we can't be totally dark you know i am very positive i really i mean i think the awakening is happening now um i think they're overreaching um i think they've lost control of the narrative and i don't think they're going to get away with what they've done and so you know, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not afraid to keep doing this. Um, you know, biggest thing is it's just it's just got to get back out there. If nothing else, to have people question and not just blindly accept what they're told. Yeah, you know, because we're we're not getting a lot of information. But Michelle, I think you're talking about past civilizations. I wouldn't be surprised if they pitted those against each other and they killed each other and they created some sort of genocide. And that's basically what they're doing now. They're going to we will genocide each other almost or the tribe. It's what they did to the original civilization. The ones that weren't wiped out by what this this cataclysm. Um, Let me share my screen again. Oh, yeah. It's not what I had in mind to share that I forgot. But I mean, all you have to do is is just type in the word mud flood. (laughs) Yeah, that's all you got to do. And you're going to get pictures. <laughs> um, you're going to get a lot of pictures. That is what this is all about. And I didn't know anything about the mud flood when I first started um, doing my, my own blogging, which was back in 2018. June of 2018 was when I started as a blogger. And then I started making videos. I didn't know anything about the mud flood. I was following my dots <laughs> that I have on my spreadsheets, you know, and seeing everything looking the same everywhere. Um, and, and say then that somebody, shape again to tetrahedron. I can't even say it. How does this? A star tetrahedron. Star tetrahedron. Yes, that's hard mm-hmm. to say. It's a tongue twister. Okay. Uh, so, 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 so you looked at the dots and then you saw, oh, well, why are all these places so, uh, unburied? Well, yeah. So yeah. This base. I mean, no, basically, I was, I was 
just noticing things were looking the same everywhere. And then one of my subscribers connected me with somebody in the mud flood community. And I started looking at the mud flood research and I'm thinking we're all looking at the same things. Um, and, you know, you know, typically what you see is this, you know, uneven street here with the windows down and doors in strange places. Makes no sense. I, th- I think you had a building up. It really, the angle was so sharp. There's no way that it couldn't have been buried. It looked like, I mean, look at that. And this is a famous one in um, Omaha, St. Mary Magdalene Church. Or they've got these pictures of it, of it being dug out, and then, and then you see um, where they paved the road right next to it. Oh, I don't think we and, broke down the timeline. So how how was America the epicenter of Tartaria? Uh, that was the that's what we believe. This was the start of it all. This was the this was the the um, center. So uh, so North America is is very ancient. And it was worldwide. And, you know, again, I think what we're told about our history is just all, all screwed up yeah. in terms of what we're actually taught in school. And it, all you have to do is a little digging. The Rockefellers have been involved in the American educational system since the 1850s. And, you know, it's like they're, they're, making compulsory all of this new stuff they want us to learn <laughs> you have to go to school so we can teach you this this stuff we want you to know and they really they didn't want brainiacs they wanted workers they wanted people that you know knew enough to be able to work a job or whatever order followers um, order followers not critical thinkers and critical thinking was one of the first things i removed from the curriculum uh, so they, they didn't want people to be able to think for themselves. Hey, your microphone's doing something again, Michelle. I, I, I don't know if it's plugged in or something. I mean, it's plugged in. My dog's going crazy. But, uh, you know, I think it sounds fine now. Ginger. Hey, let me let my dog out. Hold on. Let me put her outside. Hold on. Come here, Ginger. Ginger, Ginger. Sorry, sorry, my dog's going crazy. See, I can I'm tell good. she had to use the restroom. I don't know if she's barking like that, then we definitely can't do the show. Um, uh, uh, but what were we just saying? Uh, the America's epicenter. What were we just okay. saying? Okay, so I mean, this civilization was all over the world in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Australia. Uh, it was all over the world, and I think the original twelve tribes of Israel is what we're talking about. Um, they're in the mix also. Well, how does the Tower of Babel fit, fit into that? You know, uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, you know, Nimrod trying to build the kingdom to heaven, and then he made everybody speak different languages. Well, so was that like an origin story? Maybe, you know, uh, a metaphor of our, you know, how this this ancient civilization? I mean, it could, it could very well be. I mean, if you think about the effect of all of these different languages that has had on dividing us, and I, I can totally believe that there was one language at one time or you know closely related and um you know again our, our we've been dumbed down and so i know like with hebrew and arabic and other of the ancient languages there's a numerical value that's associated with each each of the of letters. the uh, letters and so you know that's where you 
you know, get a lot of your gematria stuff. Um, but it's also where you get, uh, trying to think of the word. The coded language of symbology. I mean, the gematria is important because that's how they speak to each other in code, basically. You know, there's, there's a, a numerical value associated with letters that has another purpose. So, you know, it's not just the written word. It's, it's, it's got a kind of a creative aspect to it as well. And I mean, you look at some of these sculptures I was saying earlier, like the Sistine Chapel and these places that are just so, such beautiful art that was so incredible that they tell us is like the Baroque period or something like that. But we can't recreate this today and it wasn't that long ago. So I just don't think we lost that ability so, you know, in such a short time. So what do you think the timeline is in your opinion, Michelle? In my, in my opinion, humanity was doing just fine. That We knew who we were, where we were, we were going, what the you know true nature of the realm was. Um, we had contacts with other, you know, in our, within the galactic community. Um, so I don't think ancient aliens built everything, but I do think we had a relationship with that. Um, you know, I think that we were advanced in the sciences, in alchemy. Um, you know, all of that stuff was very important in the civilization. And then these the the beings that figured out how to create the cataclysm i saw their opportunity because it's so easy to to control us in physical form you know all you got to do is cut off our you know connection with creation and get us thinking that we're all separate and we're on this rock hurtling through space mm-hmm. you know you you're you're born you live you pay taxes and you die <laughs> You know, it's meaningless. You're a debt slave and you go to college, you get $200,000 in debt and you work for us the rest of your life, a bank, basically. Yeah. And that's all you are. Um, They removed all of that knowledge and filled our heads with distractions and alcohol and drugs. That's a good point. I forget this researcher because I actually wrote down beer and wine. I'd like to get your opinion on it. But this, they said that that was a good indication of our timeline being wrong because how did they have beer and wine in the Bible? They're just, they just had this like how do they know how to do this? Like they even said grapes would make sense because they could accidentally ferment that, but they had like some sort of beer, which is, you know, it was a a concoction that took a recipe. So how would they know this recipe unless there wasn't somebody before them? And and they were building distilleries and breweries like crazy in the early 19th century. I mean, it's like every place had at least one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, depending on how large it was. It's like they had secret information. This is the future. It makes sure that every get everybody drunk on this whiskey. Yeah, I mean they, but they, I mean they wanted to lower our consciousness while they were doing all of this. You know, they need. I'm sure they needed people to help dig things out of this mud flow so they could restart civilization. Um, you hear about the orphan trains and the orphans, and there was an explosion of orphans in the 19th century. You know, so there's and just that's a because lot you of, think there's a cataclysmic event that just knocked them and knocked their parents out. I agree, it doesn't make sense. You used to always hear orphanage, school, the orphans. That you don't really hear that. You don't hear that. That's not in our pop culture anymore. Like the orphanage, oh, helping out the orphanage, and that used to be a big thing back in the day. You always heard about orphans. I was always in old or- movies. There were orphanages everywhere and asylums, you know, insane asylums and, you know, juvenile asylums and adult asylums and you you name it. There was 
Asylum well, they say they got rid of the asylums to put people in private prisons. What do you think about that, Michelle? Because the, the asylums would have helped people theoretically, probably put people, well, you I know. Think, I think they were warehousing people. I think they had, you know, I mean, they they think they're way superior to us. You know, we're we're like nothing to them. Yeah. And so I think they had all of these adults that were, you know, maybe crazy from everything that had taken place or, you know, maybe they just didn't want them talking or whatever. And they put them away and they had all these children that they could mold and form. Um, but I think the bigger piece of the puzzle is that how did we get socially engineered? How did we get culturally engineered? You know, they, it's like they wiped the slate clean and then they started repopulating the earth. And, um, and again, I think we're much smaller. You know, I, I think things were very different than they used to be that in that respect. And so with the kids, um, you know, there could have been some, you know, nurseries, <laughs> you know, literally. It doesn't make sense. Orphans, nurseries. it's always anti-orphans. They have to have, they have to have people. So they're trying to, they could have been grown in the lab. They could have been grown, they could have wow. been grown kids. And if you look up infantorium, um, it's very interesting. Very what interesting. That? That's like a sanitarium or something for infants. What is it was, that? it was a, uh, sideshow attraction starting in around 1896 of neonatal babies at site as sideshow exhibits. At, were they alive or the babies were they dead? Were, they, they were alive. They were in incubators. And they went around in 1897, like in a circus tent. No, they were, they were in, um, like a sideshow exhibit at yeah. A lot of like Coney Island had yeah. a permanent exhibit. World's fairs had, had them. Um, so I don't think they were necessarily being traveling moved from place okay, to place, see. but it's weird. <laughs> That's know? so weird. And what was a baby? that have two heads or something. Yeah. What would they have? Like they were two just babies. They were just newborn baby or premature babies is what they were. Listen, Michelle, I'm not surprised with this abortion thing. I like that. I think that's why they're so pro-abortion is they want these babies for to to you know um, uh, use them for whatever medical tests is what they tell us. And then they say all these celebrities use cream with with uh, you know uh, circumcision. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't make sense. They want these babies for a reason, and I think they have more access to babies than people would ever believe with their mind. They would never know the atrocities of how many babies Planned Parenthood has had access to. Probably babies born right at you know basically. At at birth at nine months, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has been going on for, let's say, 100 to 200 years since the reset, which I believe was the, the 19th century. I think 1851 was the official kickoff of the New World Order timeline. 1851? The, yes. With the Crystal Palace exhibition in London. Um, and then they had world fairs. You know, for the next hundred years, they had these major world fairs that they said were built in record time and then they tore them down afterwards. And um, I think they were showing off the original technology and then they were hiding it away or using it. And they got rid of most of most of the buildings afterwards. You see before and after pictures of these world's fairs and it's just, you know, night and day. It's incredible. A, per, a debunker will say, oh, they weren't built to last, but these buildings are so nice and so huge. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. It, it doesn't make any sense. And World Fairs is the gateway to this topic. So are starports, if anybody's been interested in starports. And, and what's the biggest starport in America, the, the Statue of Liberty, in your opinion? 
Well, the Statue of Liberty is on a star for, and it's also a lighthouse. It was used as a lighthouse for about 20 years after it, you know, got started. Lighthouses don't make sense on a globe, but go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, Michelle, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of information out there and I'm, I'm mostly focused on bringing this civilization back. I have encountered information um, that points in the direction that they have absolutely tampered with our perception of time and space and including the shape of the earth. Um, but I'm, I'm want to get people to start looking in their own communities and start questioning the narrative that we're taught because it, it, it you'll, you'll see things. <laughs> You don't have, you know, all you have to you do don't is have to go look outside deep. your front door. Yeah, you don't have to look very deep. That's a, That's the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is this stuff isn't that deep below the surface. It's it's very, I mean, it's right there. And like you're saying, you're just showing pictures of San Francisco. I mean, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't make sense. The timeline, how do they have these ornate buildings? And so 1851, do you think? So that's when I think it was the official kickoff. But I think the whole 19th century, they were getting things ready to rock and roll, if you will. They were restarting the civilization. Um, the great explorers of the 19th century, the Wilkes expedition, um, there's several others. The Wilkes expedition was American. There was a French one. Um, and then the Beagle with Charles Darwin. They were all kind of contemporaries and they were going out and exploring the world, like with the National Geographic, explore the world and all that's in it. Um, and I think they were kind of getting an idea of what's out there after this mud flood. And, um, you know, a lot of things going on with that. And what's really strange about it is the French expedition and the American expedition founded Antarctica within a few days of each other. You know, it's like there were supposed to be two separate expeditions and yet they claim the territory in antarctica the same time period it's in the 1840s um, that's when we found antarctica around that time i didn't i mean i know the antarctica i mean that's when the they only, claimed it it's the only <laughs> treaty that what 71 countries that all hate each other can somehow agree to for uh, all time that doesn't make a lot of sense seems like they're hiding something looks like they're you know that because these are system made like these are the governments are people management systems like you're saying these are control mechanisms so do you think in this timeline around 1851 they could have uh, foreseen a transhumanistic mindset of basically locking us in the matrix I have no doubt this has been planned from the beginning. None whatsoever. It doesn't seem accidental. No, I agree. I mean, but it's just crazy to have that and foresight. That, and that, you know, that the things that happened early in the 20th century were like practice runs, you know, including what happened, what we, what we are taught happened in Germany with the concentration camps and all that stuff going on. Well, and um, and what about World War II? I mean, I think they whatever they tell us, we can only say so much stuff, but I think that is a fraud. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think it's all it's all been playing one side against the other and the same people benefit. And, you know, again, I think it was a lot of genocide and I think it was a lot of destruction of this original infrastructure. You know, a lot of people ask, why did they bomb the heck out of Dresden as the war was ending? And that's just one example. You know, why all of this destruction or, or they turn star forts into military targets and they become the first things that are bombed. Well, you know, star forts, I think, had a very different purpose that wasn't military. 
They're found all over the world, different shapes, but they have the same shapes in very different places. So a typical shape is like a four or five pointed star, but there's, there are other shapes as well. And they're called forts, they're called fortresses, they're called citadels, they're, they're called castles in different places, but they all share similar characteristics. And what's the importance? I think they were circuitry on the Earth's original grid system. You're talking about free energy. How did that free energy happen? And I think that was one of the many components of it. There's definitely no doubt they had some sort of energy or technology. I mean, nothing makes sense with the, like all these buildings were built with no power tools with no, I mean, give me a break. I I just, it's hard for me to ever believe that. Oh, and I want to say, Michelle, guys, we only have a few more minutes with Michelle. We got about 20 minutes left. So if you guys want to call in, if you guys have a question, please, you know, we will keep it short, keep it, you know, quick, but maybe if you guys want to ask a question, I know, you know, this, these topics are, are deep, but I see in the chat, people are loving it, Michelle, you know, it's such an honor to have you on. I can't tell you how much people are really enjoying um, talking about this stuff. And, you know, it's weird because it's, you know, you're, you're doing this research. You're down a lot of rabbit holes. So, Michelle, how do you not get stuck in the rabbit hole? And how do you keep cool? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, do you not do you not think, well, they're lying to us about everything. I live in a world of lies. How do you not, you know, go postal, as they say? I guess I had to, I've had to process through a lot of stuff since I first started really realizing this and getting it. And um, can you ask Ken Gibson her if she's looked into the orphan trains and how America could Um, have been repopulated? I think that humanity's good. Nobody deserves the fate that was planned. You know, nobody people don't deserve what's happening right now. Um, And but now is our time to wake up. And the the rabbit holes do go deep. And I only scratch the surface. I mean, there's so many places where I could just stay in one place forever with all the stuff that's there to find. But um, I, I do that on occasion if I'm focusing on an area, but I usually just, you know, scratch the surface. Um, but again, it's just I really want to encourage people just to start looking and asking questions, especially older buildings in your community. You know, we're talking libraries, we're talking high schools and junior highs, elementary schools in some cases. Uh, we're talking museums. Um, you know, there's there's so many schools that look like Greco-Roman temples. It's, I mean, it's weird. Well, how do, how do the charts. How do fires mix in with the flood, somebody asked, because that, that you know, they all these great fires always happen. Yeah. So they were destroying it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many fires, so many building fires, so many town fires. And they usually, you know, they're a lot of times they're in the historic district of the town. They're in the oldest part of the town, a city. And this, they're in cities all over the world. Same thing with floods. Um, it's one of what was their, one of their favorite ways of destroying, either destroying or saying that it was destroyed so they could replace it with a narrative of we built this so i think it was a combination of both is that a cat yeah i know i'm a cat nut i have cats and dogs yes i'm an animal i'm an animal freak i have too many i have a zoo (laughs) so as far as the orphans um i did some research on it and i started looking into 
let's say, look, look at New York, because this was a big part of it, but it was in other places as well. New York's the most important city probably in the world. Okay, but I'm so interested to hear about New York because yeah. I think that is a, such a, there's something very important about New York, New Orleans, but go ahead. We're talking about New York, please. So um, starting around the 1830s um, was when it started to ramp up. And so let's say that they started getting things cleared out of the mud in the late 1700s. Things are starting to be built. That was when John Molson started his brewery was in the in around 1780. Um, Molson Light, we're still drinking it today. <laughs> wow, you're crazy. Okay, yeah. sorry. But that showed up in the late 1700s. And then you start seeing, you know, places being settled, looking at North America. Um, they're coming in. They're saying, we want to build here. We're going to get a railroad through here. You get a town going. In a lot of cases, you get a brewery going. Um, especially in the Midwest, in the West, again, this is the, the narrative, but in the East Coast, where it was more settled in places like New York, starting around 1830, you start reading about all of, all of these kids, you know, and the parents are like nowhere to be found or they're drunk or they're, you know, they're debtors or, or whatever. I mean, I think it was a terrible time for humanity. They taught us that debtors had yeah, their parents couldn't afford them. So they just gave them to the state. Like that happened all the time. Like that was just so common. And there was this whole concept of worthy and unworthy poor. And it's interesting to me as a social worker, that that was what I learned when I was first starting to take courses about social work was the very beginnings was, was this time period of when all of these charitable institutions got started. And it was like, on one hand, they were, you know, providing all of this alcohol. And on the other hand, they were, you know, criticizing and bashing anybody that drank it. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the temperance movement later on and prohibition, you know, so it's like on one hand, they're doing one thing. And on the other hand, they're giving them the alcohol. And then they're saying, you bad person, you we're going to throw you. Well, Michelle, maybe they realize alcohol is bad. I mean, I know we all love alcohol. There's people here having a drink right now. And I listen. I love, yeah. I mean, I, I actually I don't drink. a glass of wine. Well, I'm just saying, you know, but maybe we're not meant. I'm saying, you know, that does disconnect us is what I'm saying. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. You know, there is. And, but that's another thing is you got a liquor store in every corner and then they say marijuana is federally illegal, has nothing. Like, I think marijuana, I'm not saying it's necessarily for me. I like it, uh, but I'm not saying it's for everybody. Some people to take it ruins their life. They get so high, you know, they get paranoid. But I'm saying there's secret stuff. There's there's like herbs and spices, for lack of a better word, that they want to hide from us. Natural cures is what I'm trying to, you know, and they won't let us, they won't let us find that, but they'll give us all the booze and alcohol right. that they you can that have all the stuff that's going to, you know, yeah. make you unconscious that you want, yeah. but you can't have the stuff that may that's going to open, yeah. it's going to may benefit you or open your consciousness or whatever. And I'm not even, I'm not even talking about hard drugs, which is another whole another issue, but it's along the same lines is they don't want us functioning. And oh, by the way, they're making a ton of money in it, off of it in the process. So, so anyway, in the 1800s, um, say between 1830 and 1850, they're building more orphanages. You know, they've got a problem with um, teenage kids that are getting into trouble, things like that. And the orphan train movement started around 1854, and the um, and it lasted for about 75 years of basically this um, children's aid society in New York city that was founded by Charles Loring Brace. 
and it was supported by people like Mary Astor. And that's what it's called, Children AIDS Society. I believe it was called the Children's AIDS Society. It's just weird um, that AIDS, that, that they were already talking. I know it has nothing to do with AIDS now, but I'm yeah. saying it's just kind of weird that that was like, then AIDS became a big word. I don't know. That's a trigger word. It's weird that they were using it uh, then. That was the how they helped people. And then the other thing that was happening about that same time was like the charitable aid organizations for the poor. And so again, the, you know, the, the elite, the, the big wigs, the names that we would recognize uh, were sitting around going, it was like, what are we going to do with all of these people? <laughs> um, and then with the orphan orphan train movement, well, why didn't they why didn't they put the george orwell 1984 right then and there i guess the people wouldn't go for it they didn't they... I, I don't i think they had to do it this way because mm-hmm. it's totally wrong and illegal okay. so they had to get our consent to do that and the and only they way they it. could do that was to get it at the ground floor and you know put what they wanted in our heads um and then get us against each other um, so the we propaganda has always been going. I mean, we, it's bad now, but it probably was even just as bad, you know, then they were able to convince people of anything probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure of it. I mean, it gets into movies, it gets into classic literature. You know, the classics we have to read about in school are written by people that were shaping the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, George the Dickens, Orwell, everybody, the, yeah. Dickens and, um, even Catcher Jack in the Rye. London. Well, I'm saying, you know, Catcher in the Rye is kind of, you know, it's just every book had some sort of angle or some sort of hidden agenda behind it all, looking back. Mm-hmm. Yep. And books like that, they uh, make movies out of over and over again. So The Call of the Wild. And if you look at the storyline of The Call of the Wild, there's there's nothing uplifting in that book. Nothing. A, no, Lord a of happy, the Flies. Happy... Is, Lord of the Flies is the worst book to give a bunch of kids. It doesn't make sense. It's like it's like literally like they want us to they wanted us to recreate Lord of the Flies and oh to uh, kill each other over a conch shell, you know, over nothing, you know, over you know this fake importance that the self importance that of uh, power over people, and that's what's really going on and now in this world. It's like mm-hmm. these people now that they have power, they're not going to relinquish this power no matter what they tell us, no matter what mandate or whatever mark we read, whatever level, hundred percent level, they're never going to take. Their fangs out of us. I'm hoping that they will. Okay, we'll I see. I hope so too. I hope we'll, so too. We'll see. But but you, but, but th- this is my problem, Michelle. I look at the Patriot Act, which gave them the the ability to warrantless search and seizure of our emails and phone calls. It's very. It's. I think it's. It's almost inevitable to say the Patriot Act 2.0 will give them the warrantless search and seizure of our cell phone. You know, I think that's I think that's the coming because they're going to say, oh, we need it for contact tracing. Oh, we need it for climate change. Oh, we need it for, you know, X, Y, Z. There's so many and people are going to go, oh, wait, will this help? OK, I'll download it. Oh, I get a hundred dollars in free Krispy Kreme donuts for downloading it. Yeah, like I just, you know, I think that that's, they got us. Um you know, locked in this this future technocracy prison, for lack of a better word. But what's different now than just a few years ago is we can see it happening in real time now. That's that's new. And it was so the Internet's backfiring, to, in your opinion. The, okay. Yeah, they were supposed to do this in complete secrecy and total control. Well, they're not, you know, and. Um, and, you know, this reaches people all over the world, not only you know, this tonight, but others as well. Um, they can't, they can't keep it under wraps anymore. And it's becoming more and more visible. Now I know they're, they're using force and they're using a lot of things to, you know, put that chokehold on, but there's power. I think there's power in numbers. 
and there's power in people waking up because they can't do what they've done. The only way they had any hope of, of succeeding was if people never knew about it and kept agreeing to it. There is a mass awakening. You're right. But these people just, some people don't want to critically think for themselves, Michelle. That's what I get worried about is these people are like so lazy. They're just so afraid to even do like, we're talking about sacred geometry. These people don't want to do five times five. You know what I mean? These people don't want to do, they don't even know seven times seven is 49. And people are going to get mad. I always talk about this. Uh, um, A&W Root Beer, where they used to sell hot dogs. They were actually one of the oldest fast food restaurants. They saw McDonald's dominate them, you know, become a bigger chain, a bigger chain very fast. A lot faster. So they did a nationwide uh, uh, survey where they asked people what they thought was a better value because they wanted to go in the hamburger business to compete directly with McDonald's. So what they did is they did a survey. They asked them what they thought was a better value, a third pound burger for $4.99. And this is just, you can look up this. I forget what the exact price point was. Or a quarter pounder burger for $5.29, like 29 cents more. And everybody overwhelmingly picked the quarter pounder burger thinking that it was more. They thought one fourth was bigger than one third. So I'm just, people don't even want to do a simple fraction, Michelle. Yeah, I want to explain to them, you know, uh, that, that we live, Live uh, on you know star forts that could have been ancient you know uh, energy sources. This is going to go over their head. They can't even figure out math. You know, it's it's I, I it makes me nervous for society a little bit because I don't think I think the bigger the group we get, the dumber we get. Michelle, well, like I said, it may surprise you. We'll see. I don't I, think our story's over. It's and not. I really it's don't not. think they're going to win. Um, but let me just tie up on the orphan train real quick because i really think that was early child trafficking i mean they would put these kids you know little kids on up to teenagers on these trains no idea where they were going and there was nothing in place to safeguard them well it's kind of like what's happening now with these haitian immigrants this is done on purpose these kids are sold to coyotes on you know their parents sell them or whoever sells them maybe they're kidnapped and so so this is so do you think today uh, it's kind of a modern day orphan train i know this is a different they're not apples and orange comparison but what do you think is going on now with that it's probably the same kind of idea because they're trying to displace you know the people that live in in countries or whatever they want the the immigrants to come in and take over and vote for them and you know we're we're low man on the totem pole as far as they're concerned um but that's for their agenda i mean to how best control a population you know now we were seeing how they planned on doing it um but the orphan trains i think so it was similar and Planned Parenthood, the founder of Planned Parenthood, started the organization that became Planned Parenthood the same year that the the uh, inventorium stopped. Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. So the inventorium was like the, I guess the pre-Planned Parenthood, where I guess where they had access to the babies. So, so I think it was pre-Planned Parenthood. So you already made that connection earlier. I think there was a connection with the babies. Um. And then the orphan trains, I think, were an early form of child trafficking also. Could this be adrenochrome? Could they have known that they need the blood for these babies? I mean, there's there's something satanic evil going on with their access to these babies, like Rosemary's baby. There's something about babies that these people are obsessed with. Yeah. You know, and those are the kinds of things that as the Great Awakening happens, it's going to be harder for people to accept. But, you know who's behind this i don't think they're human they're not human people don't do that 
There, I mean, there's no way they could be human. Because, well, <laughs> true, uh, true people don't do that kind of thing. Exactly. They'd be disgusted with themselves. I mean, maybe one serial killer is, you know, can happen, but the majority, 99.9% .9 of people would not want to hurt or kill a baby. That would be so against their instincts. And the ones that do it, that are true humans, have been so damaged by this this insane system um, that the controllers live under. You know, Michelle. They've been so messed up that, you know, they do it, but the people behind it all are, are, in my opinion, not human at all. The sickest, there's doctors, like, I'm a proud abortion doctor, you know, you'll see that on Twitter, like, I stand with, with safe abortion or, you know, uh, a, a safe abortion is healthcare. These people are just tricked into, these doctors are tricked and manipulated and they think they're helping somebody. They're not helping anybody. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, you're right. These rulers that are ruling them are probably some sort of, I hate to use this as a metaphor, some sort of lizard people that are anti-human. They, they want to take over human and they have to use us to kill ourselves, I guess. They, they don't have enough power to kill us. You know, They're they, not allowed to. Or is that, is that what it is? So is, is it <laughs> a karma like we thing? Live, we live in a free will place. You know, we have to consent. And the only way they can get our consent is to lie to us. By universal law, they can't touch us, so they have to get us to do it to ourselves, which is why they've gone through all this trouble and they couldn't just come in in the beginning and do it. Well, it's like the idea of the, like if they, you know, what is it? The natural law is is if they put a bear trap in the woods and they lock you in the woods or they make you go in the woods, all they have to do is tell you somewhere there's a bear trap in this woods. You know, they have to just, I guess, revelation of the method a little bit. Is that the same? Um, uh, you know, or is that different? I think they've been using predictive programming and, and things like that to tell us, you know, they found a little loophole where, you know, as long as we're giving some kind of consent, it doesn't have to be informed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's how it should be, um, but I don't know of anybody that's ever gone to a movie and, and left it thinking, oh, well, I just got told something. <laughs> you know, most people are like, oh, well, that was a really good movie. You know, movies well, like you know, I, Michelle, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm smart, but I feel like I've movies. I figured as a young age, I'm not just saying this. Even when I was watching Austin and Powers and stuff, that movies had some sort of agenda. And that's before I was a conspiracy theorist. Like, so, so you think most people just watch movies and they don't even realize there was like a, a statement at the yeah. end, you know, they were trying to make a, you know, uh, I always felt like a movie at the end was trying to make a statement. Maybe I learned that as a kid from a teacher telling me that every movie's trying to, has a meaning behind it. But yeah, I feel like ever, I, ever since I started watching movies, when I kind of, started my brain started forming like 14 or 15 i'm like this kind of is like makes me want to you know it had as some sort of bias i feel like i noticed that early in movies yeah and they do i mean that's how they've been been t telling us things and there's a lot of good predictor programming youtube videos about back to the future You're basically predicting 9 11 <laughs> you know all of the stuff that's in there i mean you've um i think jay dyer talks about it I think you've talked to him before. Jay's great. You know, he's great at, you know, all the pop culture stuff. So, so are, are, is that something that you look into too, Michelle? Or is not that really? Not I'm aware of it. Um, I, I'm aware of that's how they've skirted around it. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, people, I think people will keep waking up and they can't do what they've done. You know, they have to have our consent and they've kind of rigged the system in their favor, but you know, maybe God's got a bigger plan.
God's definitely got a bigger <laughs> plan. Well, Michelle, you dominated tonight. I'm telling you, in the chat, I, I please, I hope you'll come on the show again. I'd love to have you on again. So let's let's kind of go through. We've t- we covered so much stuff, and we're kind of ending on the orphan trains and you know the transhumanist agenda. And I think one of the things for me that spotlighted is like you know they had this plan all along, and and you know with what's happening now, it seems like you were saying earlier. This is what gives me hope. Now the people that are doing it are George Bush. It's not Prescott Bush, you know. So we're dealing with copies. We're dealing with kind of like the autistic sons, the grandsons. You know how the son's never as good as the dad that founded the company. You know, as soon as he puts a son in charge, the company goes bad. Is that's kind of you know that what they say? That's like the metaphor for life. And so I'm saying these kids, this nepotism is what's going to actually cause the Illuminati or whatever the social engineers to fail is because they're putting their idiot kids in charge and that's why we have joe biden that's why we have kamala harris these people aren't that smart they realize they're putting people in power that are like despised and i don't think that happens with people that are actually have like you know the uh the ability to really socially engineer an outcome where they win in the end so i think we're dealing with idiots for lack of a better word they they only have one playbook and up until a few years ago it was very effective for them but now i think they're desperate and I think they're trying to carry out their plans way faster than what they were originally. It, it feels and like because a Hail Mary. Of that, and because of that, it's so much more obvious than it used to be when we were just being boiled slowly, you know, like not realizing there was anything wrong. It is the boiling frog, but you look at the Illuminati card game. I think that came out in like the 90s. Michelle, in the 90s, I, I look at it fondly. I mean, I was a young man, but I mean, I feel like that was the last time when like political correctness wasn't. And I'm not saying the fine 90s were great. I'm just saying that was maybe the last time where, you know, you didn't have to be super politically correct. I think like the O.J. Simpson kind of ushered in a lot of the civil rights, re-ushered in, I guess, that civil rights kind of movement of black versus white division. Uh, do you, is that, you know, what what happened around that time so, in your so- opinion? What I'm what I'm seeing and looking at the history since 1945 is that before 1980, um, so you had the major conflicts. You had the the end of World War II, and then you had at that same time you had the bombing, the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And you know, there's I know there's people out there that think that didn't happen, and Maybe it didn't. Well, they think it's not a nuclear war. They think it was a firebomb, I believe, the conspiracy I mean, it could have been. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm seeing things with ammonium. Um, nitrate. Nitrate. Yeah. I mean, that does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's happened a lot. Well, I think nuclear weapons, um, how they tell us that they can just blow us up over and over a million times over. That doesn't sound right to me. No. So whatever happened with Nagasaki and Hiroshima was at the end of World War II in 1945. And then they artificially divided the Koreas at that around that same time, North and South. They turned North socialist and communists. They turned South Korea into capitalists. It was part of the Cold War. And then in 1950, the Korean War started and they, you know, got the two sides fighting against each other and devastated that country. They did the same thing in Vietnam. They divided it artificially in 1954. And um, same thing, North socialist, communist, South capitalist, you know, Cold War, get them fighting, um, devastate Southeast Asia in the process. And then a lot of other things are going on during that time, a lot of other things in other countries, but it was more specific to a particular region in the world. 
civil wars, civil wars in Africa for decades. Um, you know, they would get their independence and then they would be artificially separated into North and South or East and West or whatever by religion or, you know, identity. And then they'd be given guns and then they'd be fighting each other for 20 years. Um, they're starting to bring in socialism and communism to a lot of different countries. So um, that's going on between like 1945 and 1980, let's say. What happened, what the big change in 1980 is when uh, suicide bombing started. We started to get Muslim AIDS, terrorism. a lot of terrorism, um, assassinations, assassination attempts, um, discos blowing up, planes blowing out of the sky. Um, you know, the weather we were talking about earlier, getting warm. hurricanes and tornadoes, fires. In, I think in 1980 was when there was a worldwide war started against humanity, you know, where we would just, you, you know, yeah. scare the crap out of us and this terror that we've experienced for the last 40 years. Well, that makes sense because that's when cable and television and the media really, you know, that's, that's it, when they can start the, the mind war the best. The internet got started during that time. Computers, PCs came in. The internet and the internet started. was a military technology, and the way they created, they say, so they could trade files mm -hmm. back and forth, and then that—that's what created the internet. World, uh, the World Wide Web was connected to CERN. Uh, so and what is CERN? What is CERN? Let's end on that. In your opinion, what do you think CERN is, Michelle? Not what they tell us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just watched some ceremony thing. I mean, we've seen so much stuff. It doesn't even make CERN. doesn't even make, I, we keep on saying nothing makes sense. But we live in a world of lies, Michelle. All you need to know is that you didn't evolve from pond scum. And that's the first thing they tell you is that you're a monkey, you know. And that's just, I, I think that's farthest from the truth because we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And they don't want us to know that. That's like the key. They don't want you to know. That you, that. that you are important or that the sheer fact that you're here is like winning the lottery a million times. I mean, it's just the fact that you made it, uh, you know, where we're having this conversation is impossible, but they don't want you to know that. Right. No, they don't. They, 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 that's in their decided best interest to keep that information from us. So we don't know. Um, but we're also living in an exciting time because we have access to all different kinds of information. And in spite of all they've tried to do to us, people are still managing to wake up, you know, and I, I know for myself, it's an absolute miracle that I woke up at all. Um, you know, my family background, there's nothing at all remotely like this in, in that, but it was in the course of living my life that I encountered what I needed to be able to wake up. And it was in decisions that I made where, you know, do I stay stuck in this relationship where I'm, you know, not doing well. <laughs> that was after my husband died. That was between the time my husband died and the time I moved to, back to Alaska. I was in a really bad relationship. Um, do I stay stuck here <laughs> or do I make a better change in my life and do what I want to do? And I've been doing that ever since. Um, you're definitely not the stereotypical truther, <laughs> Michelle, and I think that's why it makes you unique, and that's why you know the, that that's why your you know audience really likes you, and that's why they love you in the chat. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, 
there is something special about you. I don't I don't like using that word because that's kind of like calling you dumb. I don't I feel like saying we've we've taken that word and it, it means almost being dumb. So you're just you're unique. You're not a stereotype. You're not cookie cutter, as they say, Michelle. And your uniqueness, I think, is what makes you uh, very uh, you know likable and enjoyable to listen to. And I want to say I learned a lot tonight, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the Conspiracy Castle. So what do you want to leave them with, Michelle? Before we go. It's just great being here tonight and thank everybody for listening and I'd love to come back, Alex. So just I'm going to have you on sooner than later. And everybody, guys, uh, you know, Michelle already has a big following, but her link is in the description. Everybody go and, and, and go subscribe to her YouTube and make sure to go give it a like because, guys, we are the counterculture. And, Michelle, that's, they, that's what they don't realize is like the counterculture is not drugs, druggies, and the hate in Ashbury. The counterculture is people on a computer looking into the lies, mm-hmm. looking at the pictures of Tartaria and realizing, wait, this doesn't make sense. So we are the counterculture. Michelle, you would never thought, I would never thought you and me are, you know, the renegades. But sadly, that's what we are. So, uh, guys, we have to support each other. You have to support Michelle because us, uh, you know, being in a niche audience, we're not going to get the majority. We're not going to get the help of the YouTube algorithm. We're not going to get the help of the mainstream media. So we have to do this grassroots style. So, guys, please, if you support me, go go support Michelle as well. And, and you know, I never did anything like remotely like this before 2018. You were meant to talk on a mic. I mean, I never, I never blogged. I, I never made a video. I was never interviewed like this ever. And so, um, I, and I'm saying that because if I could do it, you can do it. Michelle, that's not that difficult. You made the best point. I got to keep on cutting you off. But guys, y'all can do this too. And I think that's another secret, Michelle, is, is that that we need to create something. Like, you know, it, it doesn't, this is an art. What you do, it's it's not like a painting, but it's a different style of art. And and I think it gives you purpose. So the people out there, if like you're afraid, oh, I'm not qualified enough, just go out there and start creating. You will find, if you build it, they will come. And Michelle is a great example of this, a person who probably would have never thought she would be an independent broadcaster. And now she is so well received and so respected. I think that you would agree that it's probably the the best decision you've made uh, is going out there and putting yourself out there. If I had an audience of five, I would be doing the same thing. Well, you got a much bigger audience than five, then, Michelle. So, <laughs> wink, wink. You're doing, you're doing a good job. So, that wouldn't, it wouldn't stop me. Um, so, with all of the craziness that we've been talking about, you can find the tools that you need. You can take your phone and you can make videos. You know, just where you're, where you happen to be, take pictures. You can find an easy video making program, which is what I did. I had it had to be easy. Mm-hmm. It had to be easy enough. It's not that hard, to guys. Be able to figure it out. <laughs> the editing stuff. Um, it sounds seems so difficult, but you, there's easy programs that are basically you know very uh, user friendly that will that will you know I'm sure you progress. I'm sure you're not using that same editing thing now because uh, I'm not well, a good editor, or maybe you are. Sorry. I'm I'm actually a pretty good editor, but I don't do any real splash with mine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do the splash, but I can get a decent video out no you make great content i'm just saying you know you know but you started off not you know you get better at it yeah yeah of course and everybody does if you have if you watch the very first video on my on my youtube channel the very last one is at the very bottom you can tell you miss a transition or something earlier videos you can tell but it didn't you know i had to get it out i still have to get it out well i say this uh 
perfection is the enemy of good, guys. We don't need to be perfect. You need to go out there and maybe take a chance. And if the video is that bad, after you make 10 videos, go delete the bad ones. That's what you can do, guys. You know, uh, you know, but go out there and try to create something only for this because being a debt slave, working all the time, that's good if you're building a family. That's all positive, isn't that? But you need to have a hobby. You need to have something that actually you're passionate about that actually gives you joy. So for me, I'm saying I wish I would have done started doing this earlier, but then I also say, oh, maybe I needed the life experience for me to be successful now. So I'm just saying, guys, go out there. Do not be afraid. Go create. Michelle should be a, a, a perfect shining example of you guys. Everybody can be successful if you're willing to put in the research and, and just, you know, be professional about presenting stuff that sounds crazy, but people need to honestly need to hear it more than they need to hear the mainstream stuff you see on CNN. Yeah, it's definitely what they want you to think and believe. It's all propaganda, Michelle. Well, no propaganda here. This is the Conspiracy Castle. Thank you, Michelle. Everybody go make sure to go subscribe to her channel.